This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where House and Senate budget committees have wrapped up their respective spending plans. The House budget, about $1.5 billion less than the Senate, and it takes aim at the only Democrat elected to a statewide position. Let's just say that Nikki Freed is not a happy camper. Today is the day the Florida Senate takes up the bill that would force underage girls to get permission from a parent before they can get an abortion. Even opponents admit it's going to pass. Today is also the day for a big rally on climate change in the Capitol. When's the last time that happened? Never. The Florida Supreme Court delivers a verbal slap on the wrist to a circuit judge from Brevard County over her behavior in court. The CEO of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners comes to town to try to round up support for a bill allowing advanced practice nurses to provide medical care without being overseen by a doctor. David Hebert joins us on the Sunrise interview to talk about why the doctors are so dead set against it. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a couple of Florida men, one accused of sex trafficking, a plus-sized model, the other sentenced for stealing from the mouse. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, February 6th. If all goes according to plan, this is the day the Florida Senate will be passing Kelly Stargell's bill, forcing underage girls to get permission from a parent if they want an abortion. We've required parental notice in multiple other areas and parental consent um, in areas that are much less uh, uh, important, such as tattooing, ear piercing. Those things require parental consent as well. I think it's only prudent to require parental consent in something as serious as having a medical procedure. I thought for sure my mother would kill me when I told her that I was pregnant underage. It was a wonderful time in our relationship when I did tell my mother that I was pregnant. She advised me to have an abortion. I chose not to have the abortion. But through that process, we are closer. I have other family members who didn't do that. They went on and had the abortion. And there's been a forever wedge in that relationship because the person feels the guilt from never including their family members in something this vital, the person who's shown them unconditional love. That's why I feel so strongly for this bill. The Senate vote will break down along party lines with Democrats opposing the bill, Republicans supporting it. It's about the same in the House, but there are a couple of Democrats who support the bill. So the Democratic caucus has decided not to take a position. Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services is crying foul over the budget assembled by the House of Representatives. Nikki Freed says Republicans are playing political games, trying to transfer the state energy office from her agency to one controlled by the governor, and threatening to cut off funding for the Consumer Services office because they don't like the fact that her picture is on the state inspection sticker found on gasoline pumps. The Office of Energy has never worked better than it is right now. A small team administered over $158 million in grants, conducted studies, drafted first comprehensive energy plan in Florida in a decade and more. The entire office, including salaries, is funded by federal grants, does not use state dollars. It is efficient, cost-effective, and does much with less. When was the last time a sitting cabinet member an elected constitutional officer of this state had an important part of the department removed. Could not think of another instance in decades. These are not arguments. These are excuses. Part of a larger plan, power grab to increase unchecked power of the governor and subvert democracy. Republicans will also vote to hold consumer services budget hostage, threatening ability to protect consumers because they are upset about some stickers. House leaders want to hold up the jobs of 284 hard-working state workers over gas pump stickers. 
Again, it's an excuse, not a reason. Republicans are threatened, had near complete power for almost two decades. Now a Democratic woman gets elected statewide, and the old boys club cannot stand for it. They want to take energy with no plan. They threaten consumer services budget with no regards for the consequences. And they want to take away cabin oversight of DEP and highway safety. They are working to erode the balance of power in state government and weaken what people voted for. It's petty and absolutely pathetic. Representative Evan Jenny says Republicans are targeting Freed because she's the only Democrat holding statewide office in Florida. There's no real good reason to remove energy from the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. It is strictly, strictly uh, to make sure uh, that Nikki doesn't get a win, quite frankly. When you look at what's happening right now, uh, especially with freezing the money for consumer services, you're seeing partisan bickering being placed over public safety, over stickers. Let's be real clear. Stickers is what they're upset about. How many economic crimes could be committed because no one's going out and checking for gas skimmers anymore? You're literally putting every single Floridian who passes a credit card through a gas pump in this state in danger of losing their identity and losing funds. It's a political power grab. It's a partisan power grab. And quite frankly, they don't like that this woman has that much power. The theory in the Capitol is that Republicans are trying to hobble Freed because they're worried she'll challenge Governor Ron DeSantis when he runs for re-election. So the question for Nikki Freed is simple. Will she be running for governor? I was elected to be Commissioner of Agriculture. Every single day, I am so honored and blessed to do my job, and I absolutely love my job. Um, I have that, That's my focus today and, and will continue to be my focus. In the journalism biz, that's known as not answering the question. A rally today at the Capitol over climate change. More than 200 conservation, social justice, and health advocates from across the state are gathering for what's billed as reclaiming Florida's future for all. They'll be urging lawmakers to impose a statewide ban on fracking, transition to 100% renewable energy by 2050, plan for infrastructure that can survive the effects of climate change, and give more attention to the underrepresented communities that are often the most deeply affected by global warming's repercussions. Speakers include Representative Heather Fitzenhagen, Senator Lori Berman and Val Holly Frank from the Big Cypress Reservation. He's one of the youngsters who filed a lawsuit against the state of Florida for failing to address climate change. The highlight of the rally will be a human delivery line with hundreds of advocates taking over 600 IOUs to collect on Governor Ron DeSantis's promise to advocate for a fracking ban in the legislature. He promised to do one on day one of his administration. It's now day 384. One of the greatest moments for a Florida attorney is the chance to appear before the state Supreme Court. It can also be one of the worst moments. Such is the case for Brevard County Circuit Judge Robin Lemonitis, who appeared before the High Court Wednesday so Chief Justice Charles Kennedy could deliver a public reprimand for her behavior in court. Judge Lemonitis, you are here before the court today because of misconduct in your official capacity as a judge. By your misconduct, you have damaged the public's trust and confidence in our state's courts. Judge Lemonitis, you are before the court today because of your intemperate behavior during court proceedings over which you presided. In the first of two episodes, you became frustrated with several apparent violations of courtroom decorum during a trial. Instead of showing the patience required of judges, you assumed an aggressive adversarial tone and demeanor, you loudly struck your gavel, you made facial gestures, and you took other actions to show your annoyance. Your behavior reached the point that a juror in the trial commented on your perceived dislike of defense counsel. 
In the second episode, you were conducting a sentencing hearing in a first-degree murder case. After listening to victim impact statements, you made inappropriate remarks to the defendant during your sentencing colloquy. Although the law required a life sentence based on the jury's recommendation, you made remarks suggesting that the defendant was not worthy. You commented on the defendant's miserable life, and then you said that you hoped the defendant would fight for his life every minute of every day. These comments at sentencing degraded the solemnity of the proceedings by casting insults and abuse upon the defendant. For these failings, Judge Lemonitis, you are hereby publicly reprimanded. You're now free to leave. Along with that public reprimand, the judge also has to undergo stress management training. Florida lawmakers have spent years trying to figure out how to make health care more accessible and affordable, but they haven't had much luck. They did pass a law last year designed to reduce drug prices by allowing Floridians to get their prescriptions from Canada, where drugs cost far less than they do here in the States. But it's going to be at least another year before that happens. This time around, the big health care issue is the fight over expanding the role of advanced practice nurses. They deliver primary and preventive care for everything from mental health to childbirth and anesthesia. But under current Florida law, they have to work under the supervision of a doctor. David Hebert says it's time to ditch the training wheels and let the advanced practice nurses do their job without a doctor. Well, let me just start by saying that uh, nurse practitioners are highly qualified healthcare care professionals. Um, most of them are involved in primary care. They are skilled and educated to treat, diagnose uh, patients, uh, especially in primary care. Uh, they've been doing this for over 50 years across the country. Uh, unfortunately, in a number of states, including Florida, there is a supervision requirement by a physician. And what this issue is all about for us right now is trying to remove these artificial barriers to practice, remove this needless physician supervision requirement so that patients can have greater access to nurse practitioners. What exactly does supervision mean? Well, it really depends. Uh, it's, it's really unclear as, in terms of the day-to-day -day practice. When you tell the layperson, you know, what do you think supervision is, they would have this notion that somehow the physician is standing over the shoulder of the nurse practitioner saying, yes, do this, don't do that, or calling them in every you know, 10 or 15 minutes to say, am I doing this right? That could not be further from the truth. Uh, the fact is, oftentimes, it's a piece of paper in a drawer. Uh, oftentimes, the physician may not necessarily be, even be on site. Uh, it is an administrative requirement in many respects that has been imposed for a number of years needlessly. So the nurse practitioner, generally speaking, will have his or her own patients. They will see them, you know, whenever the patient calls and says, I'm sick, I need to come in to see you. And the nurse practitioner will diagnose, they will treat, they will prescribe what they believe is appropriate. And the patient may never see the physician. Uh, and the nurse practitioner may never see the physician in the course of the treatment of the patient. So in effect, this is already going on, what it is you're asking for permission to do. Well, the, the, we're saying essentially that the law should be right-sized so it reflects reality. Uh, and it shouldn't be some kind of artificial barrier in place such that nurse practitioners have to adhere to something which is really meaningless. Uh, it may be an added cost to the nurse practitioner, which we can talk about uh, during the course of our discussion. But it really is just an impediment that restricts practice. Well, uh, that's exactly right. Um, you know, the fact is, just to, to give out a couple of uh, 
uh, factoids here. Uh, essentially, you've got over 15,000 practicing primary care physicians uh, in Florida, and you have about 30,000 uh, nurse practitioners practicing uh, in Florida. Um, you've got a tremendous shortage of access to health care uh, in Florida. Uh, and I have to say this is a, a, a bit of a personal issue for me because I grew up in Florida. Uh, Whereabouts? And, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, it's been it's been many years. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's been many years, but I uh, have a special affection for Florida because my sister and brother-in-law uh, live uh, in Orlando, so we've got a lot of Florida ties. So it's you know it's important to 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 right size these uh, very antiquated laws. When we talk about nurse practitioners, the, the FMA's argument all along has been they don't have the training. They're not as qualified as doctors. What is what is going on with qualifications? Is that a bogus argument? Well, it, it is. Uh, you know, the, the fact is that nurse practitioners are at least masters prepared. Many of them have doctorates. Um, most have been uh, clinical nurses for a number of years before they even apply to nurse practitioner school. They go through a uh, similar education that physicians go through in terms of learning how to become uh, a nurse practitioner. Uh, they are uh, certified. They pass an, an examination um, and they come out ready to practice. And, you know, the other thing, too, is if you look at through the course of the history in 22 states in the District of Columbia don't require supervision requirements, no states have gone backwards. And that is really telling because if there was any kind of quality or safety issue, which there's not, you would not see those states continuing with that, uh, with that kind of law. So does this all get down to financial protectionism, you know, guarding their turf, so to speak? Uh, for some, I think it is. Um, I think for um, a number of uh, uh, folks in, in specialties and medical care, uh, it's been a tradition that they believe that they should, quote, lead the team. Uh, but nurse practitioners are often qualified to lead the team uh, as well. Um, you know, if you look in small town Florida, and I'm talking really small town Florida, you may have uh, only nurse practitioners. Uh, you may have the fire department uh, and a nurse practitioner, or in some respects, only the fire department. So these are often areas where physicians choose not to go. And nurse practitioners are more than ready, more than available uh, and willing to go to uh, shortage areas. So I understand your biggest hangup is in the state Senate. That's, that's where the, the log jam is right now, correct? Well, I think it, there's some uncertainty uh, in terms of, of where things go uh, in the Senate. Uh, we have been very fortunate uh, to have uh, uh, a lot of support in the House, uh, including the Speaker of the House, uh, who's been tremendously supportive of nurse practitioners. Kind of nice to have the 800-pound gorilla on your side, isn't it? Well, well, he's uh, an amazing person, and, and we are very fortunate to have such a terrific uh, advocate. Gotcha. Now, as far as medical reform in Florida, that has been the speaker's, I guess, raison d'etre for this session. He really has a thing with the medical industry. Is this one of those changes that could force things open, could break that uh, monopoly? I think it could. Uh, I think the time is right. I think uh, given the amount of conversation and debate that we have had over the years and, and you know, 
the, the fact is it's not just nurse practitioners, but you're seeing a v- wide variety of organizations coming together. Uh, if it was just nurse practitioners, we would be the sole voice, but it, it is not. Well, you also have the physician's assistants that are tied in on this. Uh, physician's assistants are, 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 are supportive, um, you know, consumer groups. And, you know, in the end, this just comes down to patient access. Let the patient, let the consumer choose whom they want to go see and when they want to go see that practitioner. Our guest today on Sunrise has been David Hebert. He is the CEO of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Your calendar of events begins at 8 o'clock when the House Commerce Committee, the House Public Integrity and Ethics Committee, and the House State Affairs Committee are all scheduled to meet. The Florida Supreme Court meets at 9 to hear oral arguments in three cases. The High Court will also be releasing its weekly opinions at 11. The House Education Committee, the House Health and Human Services Committee, and the House Judiciary Committee all meet at noon. The Senate meets at 10 for a floor session. It had been scheduled in the afternoon at 1.30, but it's been moved up. At noon, the Sarasota Tiger Bay Club holds a panel discussion about school vouchers at Michaels in Sarasota. The Florida Board of Nursing meets in Hillsborough County beginning at 1.30 in the Doubletree by the Tampa Airport on West Shore. The House of Representatives holds a floor session that's beginning at 4 o'clock. And the Florida Public Service Commission holds a 6 p.m. workshop at Hillsborough Community College to discuss a proposal to create an additional area code for the Tampa Bay area. The 813 code will run out of numbers in about two years. And it's time once again for the adventures of Florida Man, featuring sex trafficking and trafficking in stolen Disney merch. A Florida man who used to work as a cast member at the Magic Kingdom has been sentenced to 10 years probation for stealing $7,000 worth of costumes and memorabilia from Disney. Patrick Spikes of Winter Garden pled no contest to dealing in stolen merchandise and grand theft. And a Florida man is accused of trying to get a Nebraska woman to engage in sex trafficking. Police in Tampa say Stacy Glover flew a woman to Florida from Nebraska with the promise of modeling plus-size lingerie and swimsuits. When she arrived at the Tampa airport, detectives say Glover gave the woman instructions on how to deal with sex clients. He also provided her with a set of terms used in the escort business and a price list for different types of services. The victim told police she received several offers for sex during the week, but refused them all. And she never did get that modeling gig. Glover's being held in jail on a $50,000 bond. That's it for Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.